The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Gotham City Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chula Radio, Pop Culture on Demand. Today is Thursday, January 13th, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Batwoman. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri Wijasinger. What's happening, Gotham? Millie Wood. Hello, Gotham. And Professor X. Dan Begara. Yes. Oh, I love an inside joke that the listeners have no idea what we're talking about. All right, my people. It's a new year. Not a new season, just continuing the season. So uh, let's jump into our discussion of Season 3, Episode 8, which was titled Trust Destiny and aired January 12th, 2022. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Mary and Alice continue their sisterly bonding. Ryan, Luke, and Sophie are desperate and willing to do almost anything to stop them, even entertaining a dangerous proposition by Rene Montoya that finally rid Gotham of Pamela Isley. As the team hunts for the source of Poison Mary's power and potential demise, Renee is forced to revisit her heartbreaking past. Meanwhile, Marcus grows more unhinged and throws a spectacularly sinister soiree at Wayne Tower. And everyone is invited. All right, my people. A lot happened in this episode. I would say 95% of it was shit that I did not expect. There was one thing that I expected. Renee, I saw you, girl. But um, everything else was, was, it was, it was very mucho. So we got to talk about it. And we are going to talk about Renee Montoya at the beginning because I need everyone's opinions about everything this woman did in this episode. And uh, with Renee, we get a whole lot of flashbacks to uh, 10 years ago, a young beat cop, Renee Montoya, 
and a young, newly poison ivied Pamela Isley. Let's talk about the flashbacks. Let's talk. Let's talk specifically about the flashbacks first. And uh, Renee's um, tough, difficult, uh, you know, flower forgive me decision. Dimitri. Dimitri, we're just talking about the flashbacks. We'll talk about what happened in the present in a moment. I promise you. Sure. Um, well, so about what she did in the present. Now. Okay. Yes. Um, I, one thing that struck me um, from the, the flashback was this is a very different Poison Ivy. We've seen seductive deranged, you know, Uma Thurman's portrayal, probably the most iconic portrayal of Poison Ivy. Um, Batman animated series leads heavily on the seductive side as well. Um, this Poison Ivy, I, I don't know if y'all agree. I'm interested to hear y'all's take, but she kind of sounds like a Karen. Oh. Like the whole time, her voice, her her intonation, everything, and I know it's not the actress because I've I've seen this actress on on other work. You know, she's she sounds like she's about to call like Mother Nature's manager. That's interesting. Um, see, I didn't pick up that vibe. She seems like an eco terrorist, in my opinion. Um, which which is an interesting way to sort of modernize her. Not that she, not that Poison Ivy never did eco terrorism in the past. But the fact that she sort of is specifically referencing modern stuff versus, you know, uh, um, waxing poetically about, you know, theories and this, that, or the other of how she can do stuff. Um, I didn't get Karen vibe, though. Um, She was just like, I I would like you to trust that I know what I'm doing. And I, and it, it just, from the moment, like, Poison Ivy started talking, I was like, that's not what I expected you to sound like. Well, because she's a nerd. I mean, we have to remember she's a nerd. So she sounded like a nerd. I mean, she sounded like a really smart person who all of a sudden has this power and uh, wants to, uh, you know, save the flowers. How dare you kill that flower for me? But that's, that's, you know, um, very different from, you know, the, like, Poison Ivy we knew who, like, starts out as a nerd, but like once she gets taken over as Poison Ivy, and we don't really talk about Poison Ivy as like a distinct personality, you know, sort of the same way Two Face, um, you know, gets that treatment in the comics. Like Poison Ivy is her personality now, but she very much becomes like more of a vixen character at times, more of a maternal character. Um, so this was, I don't know if I like it or not, but it was definitely new. All right. Dimitri gave his opinion. Professor, you can give a, a rebuttal, or you can agree. Uh, I'm interested in hearing your take, especially because I know you, um, at least out of myself and, uh, and Millie, are much more comic book knowledgeable about this. So, uh, your take on what we saw of Poison Ivy in the flashbacks. Well, it, it's a little difficult because, you know, we were seeing Poison Ivy sort of uh, presumably that that scene with Renee was, you know, just when she was starting out. So, you know, she was still in the process of developing. I agree that, you know, we have often seen Poison Ivy presented as much as a manipulator, 
but she also does have, you know, vast powers. She's she's, you know, in the the Batman pantheon, truly an A-lister. So, you know, even though she wasn't necessarily using her manipulation powers, she didn't always do that. You know, she she was quite often willing to kill. I was actually a bit surprised that, you know, in in the resolution of the flashback, uh, we got the reveal that she didn't actually kill uh, you know, Montoya's partner, you know, uh, which is I thought was an interesting choice. You know, it's almost holding out the 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 possibility that she hasn't quite crossed that line, even though we know Poison Ivy was very bad. And in fact, when you look at what we found out about Poison Ivy in this episode, she never from what we learned, crossed that line. You know, she did injure the police officer. She was planning on attacking uh, the dam, but never quite got to that point. Um, so it, it, I thought it was interesting that they chose to play her in that way. Because again, comic book's accurate. Pamela Isley is far more terrifying than any of, uh, of, of Batman's, you know, conventional uh, foes. You know, she is so ridiculously powerful if she chooses to use those powers. And, you know, she's been, you know, neutered in various ways and, and you know, and, and you know, boosted in other ways. But I thought it was an, an interesting take. I was a little surprised that we got this much Poison Ivy this early um, because I, I really wasn't expecting the flashback. Uh, but I did think it was it was interesting, you know given what happened later in the episode in, in retrospect, opening the episode the way they did made perfect sense. At the time I thought that well, that's an interesting choice choosing to open it up in the past and, and show Renoa Renee as, uh, as the young B cop, but it really kind of made sense. It only made sense. I should say, uh, you know, once we had the, the full episode under our belts. Okay. All right. Millie Wood, where do you stand? What did you think of Renee Montoya in the past, as well as our introduction, visually on the screen, to uh, Pamela Isley in the past. I think I'm somewhere in the middle between, like, Professor and Dimitri, because I wouldn't say, like, she was a Karen, but I do feel like something was off about her. Like, I'm not her biggest fan, um, but I do appreciate that we got to see their backstory, because I feel like often we're asked to kind of buy into certain villains and we get no backstories. I like how we get the flashbacks of her and Montoya and also it adds color to Montoya. Um, and I guess we can be a little sympathetic. You know, she's had to make hard decisions back then. Um, so I like that we get to see that part. And um, yeah, I just, there's something odd about Pamela. And I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the actress's work. So I kind of talked up just to be like a little stiff, but maybe it's uh, something we'll, you know, as time will tell, there's a reason behind how it's being acted. Okay. Interesting. See, I didn't, I didn't think anything was wrong with the acting. I mean, I didn't mind it, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know Bridget Regan as well as maybe some of the rest of you. Um, I do know that she's been in a whole bunch of stuff, and she has been, like, the fan favorite in a whole bunch of stuff. Where I remember her specifically, she was in, I believe it was the second season of, or was it the first season, of Agent Carter? That's where I recognize her. I know that she's been on some other CW stuff, and people have, like, loved her. Uh, Jane the Virgin, right? And um, I can't think of anything else. But um, I know she's, she's done stuff. Um, so uh, I was actually surprised by how tall she was. Um, but it seems like a lot of the Batwoman cast, at least the, the, the women, are a little vertically challenged. Um, no offense to the vertically challenged people of the universe, but um, just being honest. Um, I love the chemistry because it's the first time that we were seeing Pam and uh, Renee together, and it, and it just made sense that they were together. I mean, it made sense 
that they loved each other. Um, it it just worked for me. Like I get it. Like I get why Renee is sort of in the present still, sort of maybe longing for Pam. Like it made sense to me. Uh, speaking of the present, let's head into the present. So. Renee tags along for the mission. They end up figuring out where Poison Ivy is, where Batman stored her. Can I just say there was a part of me that was like, oh, please don't tell me it's what we said. It's the damn rotting tree in the middle of the freaking Batcave. And it was not. But for a half a second, I thought it was going to be that. I don't know if either of you thought that for half a second. Because we talked about it. And I was like, please don't tell me. Please, Ryan Wilder. I definitely thought that. Yes. I was like, please don't tell me. Ryan Wilder's like, what is it? Like, it's right under our nose, isn't it? And I I swear to you, I saw Javicia Leslie turn around and be like, oh, my God. It didn't happen. Thank the heavens. Just because I think that would have been a bit too much. I think it would have been. But it would have been hilarious because we predicted it. But no, you know, they go deep down into the caverns, the catacombs, or whatever the hell, into the Batcave. Because it's, you know, it's there's like a whole cave system down there. And I don't know. Bruce was using echolocation to find everything. Who knows? But um, they do manage to go down there. They uh, there was a really interesting scene with um, with Ryan using echolocation uh, to to find uh, Pamela's heartbeat. Um, the the phone buzzing was hilarious. There were a lot of little small hilarious moments in this episode. Um, I don't the humor came out of nowhere at times, and we find Pam. We got a break through her bark. Um, her bark is worse than her bite. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to ask Renee. Um, I don't know if that was hurting her. I was very confused by just the whole situation. But a human was within, encased, it like cocooned in the bark. Um, everyone is like, don't sneeze, don't even breathe around her, because any drop of moisture is going to bring her back to life. Uh, um, they use her for the MacGuffin of the Week. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And uh, when Renee is alone with her, because the little flower blooms, you know, it's the flower of forgiveness. You know, it, it tugs at Renee's heartstrings, y'all. And there's a kiss. And then eyes open. And then clearly we know what's going to happen next week. Because that's where that the episode ends, with both of them vanished. So, let's talk about Renee's... Um, decisions. Uh, I will also add into this conversation the fact that we learn another juicy bit of intel about Renee Montoya, um, that her apartment is rent-controlled. Now, the other juicy little bit of details that we got about Renee Montoya is the fact that she keeps on sort of like harping on the Bat team, like, you know, you still need the Joker's Joy buzzer, like, it's out there and you haven't brought it for me. I love how they're saying, like, we have brought you all of the trinkets, and I'm thinking to myself, I guess they were doing that a lot during the commercials and um, when the episode ends and before the next one begins, because we didn't see that shit. But Renee actually has the joy buzzer! Dun-dun-dun! Is it a shocker? I will pose the question to all of you. 
So, Milliewood, we're going to start off with you, because this is the big damn deal. I need to get everyone's opinions on this. Rene Montoya kissing a uh, desiccated poison ivy. I'm sure that was rough on the lips. Um, what did you think of all of Renee's decisions in the present? And do you trust Renee Montoya after this episode? The dehydrated Pamela was strange, and the fact that Renee kissed her was even stranger. Um, <laughs> she just, I was like, makeup did really well, because that was creepy, and I don't do that stuff. But um, I, I, I don't know. I always thought there was something with Renee, I thought we knew she had something, because um, I knew she had, like, the poison ivy or was withholding information, so I wasn't really surprised that she had the, you know, the buzzer, because um, she seems like that kind of person. Uh, her actions make sense. I think, like, she's always been uh, focused on Pam, like, she had the whole session spilling her story to Alice uh, in the first half of the season, uh, so the fact that, like, everything she's done has been to, to investigate her is, is not surprising. Um, I don't think she should be trusted, but I kind of wish she does. I think she adds a good addition to uh, kind of the bat team. It was fun seeing them all go on, like, the mission that they go on. Okay. All right. Professor, I want to get your take on Renee Montoya, but I also want to ask you a question about something that was alleged in the episode, in particular by Alice and let's be real, we can't always trust everything that comes out of Alice's mouth. But Renee, not Renee, but Alice is um, heavily, heavily, like, um, uh, alluding to the fact that Renee, uh, you know, this was like her plan. That, you know, she wanted the Bat Team to find Pam for her, and that she wanted to bring Pam back to life, and this and that and the other. And... I will say this, as someone that was watching the episode, it didn't really feel that way. Um, I mean, at the end of it, it really looks like her kiss was a bit of a spur-of-the-moment decision, you know, based on the fact that the flower popped up. Forgiveness. You know what I'm saying. Um, do you buy what Alice was selling, Professor? You know what? I, I didn't in the moment, but by the end of the episode, I kind of did. And it sort of, you know, played up the idea that, you know, the idea that uh, Montoya has been basically playing and manipulating them for her own ends. And, you know, we had uh, Alice, you know, breaking away and, and we talked, you know, in previous episodes about Alice going off with Mary and can she be trusted? And we've been talking about, you know, can Alice still have a redemption arc if she gets away and, and everything like that? And if we find out that, you know, Alice and the entire team was being played by Montoya for her own reasons, it suddenly puts everything that Alice has done in a different light, um, which is kind of the, 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 the view that I'm looking at it through, especially because Alice, you know, didn't have to get caught by Sophie. She chose to do something and was just waiting for Sophie to come and find her out so that she could give Sophie that information, which is, again, not something she had to do. Uh, it, it was, you know, putting herself at risk in order to expose Montoya. And, and again, I don't think Alice would have done that if it wasn't true. Now, I do kind of agree that I'm not sure that Montoya knew exactly what she was going to do. Uh, when she found, um, uh, you know, uh, dried up, desiccated poison ivy. 
But the fact that, you know, she did have the Joker's, uh, you know, uh, joy buzzer, unless, you know, maybe Alice planted it there. Who the hell knows? This is Alice we're talking about. But it does seem that, you know, she was using the team for her own purpose and, you know, was was basically, you know, holding her knowledge of the team over them, which I do find interesting. Like, I really was surprised at the end of the episode to realize that, oh, wait a second. You know, it was Montoya all along um, that that took me quite by surprise. And yet when I thought about it, it kind of made sense that, you know, this is, you know, Montoya's love. This is what Montoya has been about. You know, it does make sense. Her obsessive motivation, even more than just being, you know, the dedicated cop who, uh, you know, wants to catch all the old bat villains uh, and put them behind bars. Suddenly we see a different interpretation for what Montoya was doing. Uh, you know, for the first half of the season. I find that very interesting. I think you just sold it for me because you said Alice Redemption, and I really want that. So I'm going to buy everything that you're selling right now. And I guess it was Montoya all along. Burm, burm, burm. Yeah. Also um, kind of gives a retroactive explanation for Alice suddenly breaking away and breaking area out as poison ivy which you know struck us as a little bit because we have been thinking, well, Alice is kind of working with the team. She's getting along with them and everything like that. All of this happened, if we can trust Alice, after she found out that Montoya had been playing them. So suddenly we have a different perspective to understand what happened. All right. That, yeah, that's a game-changing moment right there. If, uh, yeah, if, if this sort of continues to be that narrative thread next week, I am here for it. Dimitri, Renee Montoya, your girl... What'd you think of her in this episode? What'd you think of her decisions? Do you approve of everything Renee Montoya did, you know, for, for her love? I mean, it was for love. So, you know, it was a noble cause, right? I agree, Millie. I think you brought up a great point. Montoya is hella sus. And I, I, I was torn about the ending of this episode because I wasn't sure if they were implying that Montoya just had a moment of weakness, or if this was absolutely Montoya's plan all along. Um, Because, you know, she clearly has been manipulating them. But if her plan was to resuscitate um, Poison Ivy all along, why wait, you know, for a good while? You know, why wait for, like, the flower and everything? Why not just, you know, kiss her the moment Sophie leaves? Um, So that was... um, that was a little interesting. Um but I do think that, you know, it's um I think she is a character that is driven by like uncontrollable um attachment to Poison Ivy rather than a malicious character. So I, I do think that like what she does is motivated by love. Um I, I feel like we're gonna get an interesting episode right after this where I think, you know, um, she might not want Poison Ivy to ever leave again. She might not want to leave Poison Ivy again. She probably won't be willing to um, make her all ashy again. But I do think she will still not be on board with whatever um, Poison Ivy's sort of machinations are um, once she's sort of back to full health. Okay. All right. Yeah, whatever I, yeah, 
that's just a whole different can of worms or can of vines, I guess. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to wait and see what the hell Poison Ivy is planning on doing, as well as how down Renee is gonna be this time around. Uh, any theories? Like, do we think the Renee of today is gonna react differently to? Pam this time around like we saw in the flashbacks very much Renee Montoya you can't do that it's against the law and I'm gonna have to stop you because I'm the side of the law I feel like she hasn't been with her boothang in like what a decade this one right here the present-day Montoya might actually help Pam out this time. Yes or no? From anybody? Yeah, I, I think okay. that's... I, I feel like she has mm-hmm. a line that's going to be different from Ivy's line, which is like no line. But um, but I think she's at least initially going to be inclined to help her out. Yeah. Which is going to be trouble. In a good way. I mean, we need entertainment, I'm just saying, you know. The world is a dangerous place, so just, you know, sit on the couch or on your bed and watch Batwoman, where the danger is just in front of you. You don't really have to experience it. Okay, so moving right along, uh, let's talk about Mary. There's something about Mary. And Alice together. The magic that is Mary and Alice together. Um, let's, Let's take... At first, because Mary does a lot in this episode, let's start off with them at the hotel together. Millie Wood, you love a hotel. You love a little champs. You know, you love room service. You love good food. I mean, wouldn't you be living it up with Mary at the hotel in uh, Metropolis? Oh, absolutely. Especially this, like, evil mary uh she's fun <laughs> not that uh not that our normal mary isn't but uh it's like an air of confidence i think she carries with herself more so uh this one and also love the i thought it was just for her outfit but love the orange hair that nicole is rocking with the new the new vibes um her and alice i think and we got it it's just there this opening was great and so much fun the amount of zingers they like mushed into like five minutes was great um and it was a, it was fun to remember how how nice it is to have these two kind of together and bond in such a strange way yes it is a strange way professor talk to me about the bonding because there there was actually a tender well there were like two tender moments between these you know stepsisters in this episode um, the one where, uh, you know, sort of like a defeated Mary, you know, comes back to Alice after, you know, doing something nefarious. We'll talk about that in, in just a second. Um, and, and, and and Alice is there for her. And there was also a moment where uh, early on, it was in that initial scene where... Alice is like, you know, I've never really been able to be honest with somebody before, you know, because there's always like the threat of death and that sort of thing. Um, so, so the sisters are bonding in a strange way, but they are bonding. Um, and, and 
I, I'm curious if you're enjoying this, and uh, do you think in a strange way, and I always keep on bringing up the Alice Redemption, do you think this bonding is what's going to sort of spark, maybe finally, an Alice Redemption arc? Mm, I don't know about that. Um, I, okay. I wonder whether that this might be what sets up, uh, you know, Mary's recovery. Um, that, uh, you know, this is the way that they get through to Mary because obviously nothing the rest of the team has been doing has been able to reach her, but maybe her half-sister can be the one who does reach her. Uh, I do, you know, obviously, you know, love the two of them together, you know, more Alice and Mary together. It's, they're fabulous. They're, they're having fun. It's funny, I did think to myself that, you know, oh, I thought I'd caught them out in a, uh, a glaring plot hole because, ah, you know, Mary's using her credit cards. Why didn't the Bat Team find her? And then I realized, oh, yeah, the Bat Team doesn't have access to sort of any sort of technology. And they kind of have other things to worry about besides, you know, tracking Mary at this moment. So it did kind of make sense in the moment. But no, I, I really did enjoy it. And uh, there really was that tender moment where Mary was saying or where uh, Alice was saying to Mary that, you know, since they've been together, she hasn't had any of her hallucinations, which I thought was an, an interesting you know, um, reveal, you know, I, I have no reason to assume it's not true. Uh, I kind of wonder whether we'll find out any sort of reason for that. Um, whether maybe it's, it's that, you know, we will find out that, you know, uh, it's just that when Alice has, you know, a higher calling or, or something she has to do, whether the, the hallucinations aren't a problem, but I do think that there's going to be some sort of payoff to that. I don't know whether this will be, you know, the, the full redemption for either of them, but the fact that you have the two of them together while everything is happening, everything else is happening with the bat team, you know, gives them sort of an almost self-contained uh, element. And yeah, the two of them together in the hotel room, it didn't look like quite frankly, a five-star hotel room, but you know, the two of them were having fun and, and uh, and it, it was great to see those, you know, two characters that we've grown to love so much over the first two seasons, just having a lot of fun together, I thought was was great. 100%. Yes, uh, I, I love them together. If uh, Alice is the way to break through to Mary, um, I'm here for it. Um, yes, yes. Uh, have Alice break through with all the characters, damn it, because she is fantastic. Um, a quick little pause just to make a comment, um, and I, I hope everyone agrees, that strawberry cake Alice ordered looked yummy as fuck, right? Was it just me? It looked like one of those cakes. You ever notice how sometimes the best decorated cakes don't always taste as good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say myself, it, it looked too good. I don't think it would have tasted as good. I think there's something to be said for something that, that looks too nice that I don't think it tastes as good. Oh, okay. Millie Wood, would you agree, or would you be eating up that cake with Alice? It's a cake. I'd be eating it. Sure. Okay. All right. No judgment, right? Yeah. Okay. Moving right along. Dimitri, I want to bring you into the conversation about Mary, but we're going to move the action to the party at Wayne Enterprises. Mary shows up. Poison Mary shows up. Um, can I just say, and I don't know if you're going to agree, Dimitri, but I feel like you will. The whole glow up, the the way Mary has been sort of yassified through Poison Mary is fantastic. Not to say that Mary, in her dark doctorness, uh, you know, was some schlub. But but they clearly have taken Mary's wardrobe up to, like, the nth degree 
as Poison Mary, and I'm here for it. Um, Mary, you know, immediately targets Marcus. Um, she she tries to play a little game of cat and mouse with Marcus. You know, trying to you know, be like, yes, let's let's team up. You look fun, and all this kind of stuff. He's basically like, you know, no, you know, Ryan, did she send you? Whatever. And uh, Mary gets inspired by something that Alice says earlier in the episode. The fact that Mary really hasn't crossed a line. And so she crosses a big one. And she fills Marcus in on who the members of the Bat Team are. Clearly he's gobsmacked, which is fantastic. Um, And later on... They they finally get, you know, the MacGuffin of the week. You know, the the cure. I mean it's gonna it's gonna desiccate Mary, but the cure. And it looks like Ryan is willing to use it, but she doesn't. And Mary's offended by it. Which leads to her conversation with Alice of like, you know, it's like they don't they don't look at me. They don't see me. And this is com- confirmation for that. We're going to talk about everything else that happens with Marcus in a moment, but I want to f- focus specifically on Mary because we've been talking about Mary. So, Dimitri, Mary's journey towards the end of the episode. She's making bad choices, but were you here for the bad choices? It's interesting cuz I feel like Mary And I wonder if this is why um, they chose to portray Poison Ivy that way, because Mary is kind of giving us the Poison Ivy, I feel like we expect. She's seductive, she's a vixen, um, you know, like her voice. And, you know, we know this actress very well. We hear her voice all the time, but her voice is different. Like everything she says with a slightly playful tone. it's um this is sort of the poison ivy that we're used to and i guess i was expecting just more of that from the og poison ivy but i guess they're they're really trying to you know differentiate the two characters um i i was kind of here for the bad choices it it is great to see mary's glow up overall um you know she's slaying the look She's nailing, you know, the the traditional Poison Ivy characterization. I, it's it's weird for me digesting, you know, that sort of final scene we see of her where, you know, she's bonding with Alice. She's very upset that her friends don't notice her. That seems to me a little bit in contrast with the, the character we've been seeing thus far. And it's, it's a little strange. It's, I feel like we're we're all still trying to, you know, understand where does Mary end and Poison Mary begin um, for this character. Because there's still clearly some very real hurt there. And she clearly hasn't succumbed to the, like, Ivy school of thought, which is fuck all people, kill all of humanity, and stay at home with your plants. So I, you know... um, this this scene does make me uh, convinced that Mary is going to have a redemption arc, and it's not going to be that Mary goes full-on villain. 
But um, I'm wondering, you know, sort of if we're going to get more clarity on how much of this is Mary versus how much of this is the plan. Okay. All right. Any crackpot theories on where this Poison Mary storyline is going? Because uh, by the end of the episode, as I mentioned, Mary has basically said, you know, I need to do something big because these fuckers are are still, you know, playing with kid gloves with me, you know, uh, and I need to make a splash. Where where is the storyline going? And when are we going to get our Mary back? Are we going to get our Mary back? Does anyone have a theory about that? Don't tell well, me after that. this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, don't okay. tell me it's the, the penultimate episode of the season, please. I'm going to get our Mary back. I mean, you know, Nicole Kang has as much plot armor as anyone could possibly have. Uh, you know, we will get her back. But I agree with with Dimitri in that, you know, we, we saw, you know, uh, having the flashbacks to Pamela Isley showing us what classic poison ivy was and you know protecting the plants and not caring about humans and we haven't really gotten that from from poison mary so mary is someone who sort of has the power set of poison ivy but doesn't seem to have quite her obsessive slash homicidal tendencies um so i think that that you know they are sort of still keeping her there i do think it was kind of interesting the idea that you know they are still playing off the idea that she wants to be seen. She wants to be noticed. That's kind of her motivation. And, and perhaps the redemption arc will simply be when they, you know, acknowledge Mary as Mary. And, you know, I, I would personally find that a, a very weak way to end it, but that, that could be, uh, you know, her redemption uh, there, but I still think it's going to come down to, you know, uh, old poison Ivy versus new poison Mary. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be that, you know, poison Ivy will come out and say there can be only one. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be a Highlander kind of situation, but I do think that there's there's going to have to be a conflict between the two of them. All right. Shout out to Highlander. Good grief. OK, so wait, Dimitri, did you were you going to add something? I feel like you you had something to say about a crackpot theory about Mary before I move on. I was just going to say after this episode, I am convinced we are going to get original Mary back. What I'm back and forth on is is. Like, is Poison Mary going to be a recurring presence? I really, really, really hope we don't get Poison Killer Frost. Um, but I'm I'm wondering. I, I do feel like at the very least there will be some sort of personality ramifications for Mary's time as Poison Mary. Not going to lie, I would love Mary with powers. I mean, let her keep the powers, but without the, <laughs> you know, the bad stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like if, if the poison comes out of Mary, it's, she's not going to have the powers, but stay tuned, stay tuned. Let's talk about the bad team because they go from the penthouse to the gutter in this episode from high speed internet to basically dial up. Um, yeah, the sewers, uh, Montoya's office, Rats in the walls, dead rats in the walls, I should say. Um, it was it was a downgrade. It was not an upgrade for the team, but they do get a lead because they they have to go to um, to uh, to uh, the Bat Cave, which is now um, you know 
where with Wayne Enterprises where where Marcus is the CE bro and that sort of thing. Um, they, they learn that the, he's at throwing a party, and so uh, they dress the parts. They have, uh, you know, assignments, aliases, and all that kind of stuff. Can I just say one of the best moments of the episode is when Luke is like, okay, this is a really expensive mask. It's got all of your bat doodads and whatever, so please don't break it. Sophie? This mask is from the dollar store. Have fun. Like, <laughs> I just love that moment so much. And Sophie's look was fantastic. It's just amazing. Uh, let's talk about the party. It had a theme. Mary didn't really approve of the theme. Poison Mary didn't like it. But it clearly, uh, Marcus was living it up big time. Um, we got to hear Ryan... With a French accent? Not really. But, I mean, come on, girl. Like, you gotta try. Like, haven't you seen Beauty and the Beast? Like, Zutalor. Like, can't you, can't you say something besides we and non? Like, I, I don't know. Um, professor, you know, you're up in Canada. You've heard French. Were you not impressed with Ryan? I guess I worded it in the right way. Were you not impressed? Were you not impressed with Ryan Wilder's French? The French accent? Uh, and what did you think of the shenanigans at the party with the Bat Team? Ah, pas exactement. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think it's probably best that she didn't try the French accent because, you know, as Demetrius pointed out with uh, with Sherlock over on the Flash, a a failed French accent or French accent is uh, is uh, deeply disturbing to some people. So I, I kind of like the fact that she knew enough French to sort of, you know, bluff her way through it. Um, but uh, it, it was interesting. I did find it a little odd that, you know, again, it's the idea of, you know, all someone has to do is put on a mask and some, suddenly someone <laughs> doesn't recognize She's standing right across from Marcus, speaking in her own voice, albeit, you know, speaking French rather than English, and he doesn't recognize her. Um, that, that's, that took me out of it a little bit. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, it, it, it was interesting. And, and again, it was just sort of the payoff of the joke. And, oh, and by the way, you're French. What? And then boom, cut into the next scene. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was, you know, kind of played for laughs rather than anything else, but it, it was kind of good to see, uh, you know, Ryan in that situation where she's not relying on her bat tech or anything like that. She's just relying on her innate knowledge and her innate, uh, you know, savviness. Uh, to get through a situation and, and, and much as I like, you know, uh, you know, Ryan in the bat suit and, and Ryan, you know, kicking ass in, in a bat kind of way. I do like it when, you know, you sort of strip that away from her and, you know, Ryan has to just show that, you know, regardless of the suit, regardless of gigas and stuff like that, you know, she's a smart, tough, competent person. And I think we got that. We got, you know, Ryan having to face down uh, Marcus and, you know, not being able to rely on any tech or gigas or anything like that. Still having to be smart, still having to be centered, but not being able to do anything that would expose her because, you know, she doesn't have, you know, the technology to fall back on. But it still showed her as being a smart, capable, competent person with or without the bat uh, technology. Yes, 100 percent. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Dimitri. So the professor basically is, is just said that he feels that Marcus didn't recognize um, Ryan. Do you believe that? Because it was strange how, like, he was testing people, and he was like, finish this phrase. 
But he specifically was like, a mother's love or something like that. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, does he know? Also, the other thing that was kind of strange for me was we see that Ryan as, I don't remember what her... um, her French alias was. I know she was. She she made board games, murderous board games, but um, she ends up switching cards with a hesitant uh, party attendee, clearly because you know the man um, electrocuted the other party attendee that got the question wrong. Yes. I mean, you know, you're not really rushing the stage for that kind of job interview. But uh, so she switches cards with her. Um, I don't know if the cards are assigned or anything, but she's like sashaying her way up on the stage. And he's like, oh, Mrs. Pennyworth, I recognize you. And I'm like thinking, does Ryan look like Mrs. Pennyworth or whatever the hell her French alias was? Like that was confusing. I don't don't think it was Mrs. Pennyworth. Well, I don't think it was Pennyworth either because it was probably French. Like Mrs. You know, Mrs. French. You know, oh, look at you. And I'm like... Yeah, it's kind of um, absurd that uh, he... Oh, sorry, did I cut you off? No, 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 you're good. No, this um, that's what I want you to talk about. And also, do you really think he didn't know that that was Ryan? Well, I do think... um, It did feel like kind of a plot armor thing, because it was like he memorized enough to know who everyone is based on the card that they were assigned. But, like, Ryan clearly took that from, at the very least, a light-skinned girl, if not a white girl. Yes. She was shook at that. That small detail didn't creep out to him. Also, like, you have have spent a lot of time with your half-sister, and... uh, you don't recognize her with, like, a half mask, especially when you know she's working against you and this is totally something she might try. It, it, Particularly when you called her to tell her you have machinations against the city, like, it, it, it was unbelievable. I think it was just like, look, we don't, we, we literally cat masks from the dollar store. We can't do, like, Mission Impossible style disguises, so... um this is going to have to do. But I did feel like it was a little bit uh, unbelievable. I wondered for a second with the um, a mother's love question. But given that it had no ramifications mm-hmm. later oh, on. Yeah, that is true, yeah. Uh, I'm inclined to believe that, no, he didn't recognize her. Um, and, I mean, you know, a mother's love might be kind of at the forefront of his mind anyway, right? His mother just tried <laughs> yes. to put him in the fridge. I mean, ain't that true? Yeah, that's the truth right there. Um, okay, all right, I can dig it. Uh, I can buy that he didn't recognize her, even though she was just wearing half a mask, and she really did not disguise her voice. I'm just saying, like Ryan, come on, like I'm, you know, I'm just saying. I I, I will say, um, mm-hmm. I agree with the professor that, you know, um. If if you can't do a French accent or your character can't do a French accent, there's no need to try. Um, you know, okay. and, and I, I thought it worked really well because Ryan is someone pretending to be French. Otherwise, we get Sherlock, who allegedly was actually French, and oh dear God. Yes, well, he was French Canadian, so you know how they are. Anyway, mm. shout out to the French Canadians. 
listening right now because I know that we have, you know, you're there. All right, so the big question and the shock for me. Milliewood, I'm coming directly to you because I want to know if you were shocked because I did not see this coming. So Marcus learns the truth from Poison Mary. He ends up collecting Batwing when the comms sort of go on the fritz. Uh, Ryan goes back up to the party, finds Luke, well, finds Mary, Luke, Marcus, uh, and uh, Marcus is ready to shoot Luke. Ryan is ready to MacGuffin Mary, and instead of uh, um, desiccating Mary, she does it to Marcus. And he immediately petrifies, like, from, you know, zero to 10,000 in the span of, like, half a second. And uh, Mary escapes, Luke is alive, Marcus, he's going through something. He's severely dehydrated. He's parched, y'all. He's parched. And uh, Ryan ends up calling uh, um, uh, Jada Jet. In, in her Batwoman voice, and is like, Jada Jet, if you want to cure your son, you better do it fast. <laughs> so, yeah, because if they bring Marcus back to life, he knows everything. And clearly, uh, someone who he himself is like, hey, Batman had the Joker, like, you got me, sis, hey. Like, if he wants to be Batwoman's Joker, I mean, first of all, the position has been filled, Alice. But, um, if he wants to try... I mean, he knows a whole lot more than the Joker knew. I'm just saying. So, Millie Wood, did you see this coming? Were you shocked? Uh, do you think Marcus is going to be out of the picture for a couple of episodes? Do you think he's going to get cured? Any any theories about it? I mean, we do have the buzzer, so I guess we could just buzz him again. Maybe that'll fix him. <laughs> you know, maybe buzz the other side of his head. Yes, I think that's how the buzzer works. Just do the other side. He's all fixed. Exactly. Easy. Yeah, it's science. <laughs> um, I was surprised. Yeah, I did not see that coming. Also, was very like looked very painful. He's <laughs> throwing this like projectile um, towards him. Uh, I like knew they weren't going to do it on Mary because that's a very short storyline. Then, uh, but I didn't realize it was going to go to Marcus but it makes sense right because it's like we spent so much time saying there's something wrong with him we need to freeze him there's a whole reason why Jada was in cahoots with the evil company so I'm like oh you killed two birds with one stone uh you know you got him from killing Luke and then you also have him petrified so they can figure out what's wrong with him um it makes sense I think it'll be interesting he'll I can see him being out of commission for a while, but he, he'll definitely be back. Will he be normal? I don't know, but I feel like um, I kind of like this crazy, unhinged uh, Marcus, because he seemed interesting, but it was a very interesting party, so I think that, like, it was kind of fun to see. Uh, we have both, like, crazy Marcus and interesting Mary going on. I like the dynamic that we have. Um, everyone's just kind of going off the rocker. I know, right? Yes, yes, yes. Any additional thoughts from from the rest of uh, my cast uh, about what happened to Marcus. Did y'all see that coming? Were you surprised? Uh, any theories on uh, where we go from here? I was surprised because it was a CW show. And, you know, 
those of us who remember the days of Smallville remember like a lot of buildup to a storyline that actually wouldn't take too long. Like we'd spend a season getting to what if this, you know, bad thing happens and then the next season the the finale is that bad thing happening and then the bad thing is fixed in the first episode of the next season. So I was kind of expecting them to cure Mary. Um one thing that I was struck about with the cure was they really don't know how it's gonna work um on someone who isn't poison ivy. And so um there was some degree of, you know, I don't know if this is gonna cure you or kill you, um, which they don't really address, but I think that might have been a factor in why Ryan threw it at Marcus rather than risking it on Mary. Well, there is that, yes. I mean, I think she was also trying to save Luke. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I might as well test it out. And, um, I mean, it certainly it, it did something. <laughs> and it stopped Marcus for the moment. Um, yeah, stay tuned to see what the hell happens with this. How do you do brain surgery on someone that's, um, yeah, I don't know, It's that's a lot. It's a lot. Do you use an axe? I don't know. Um, stay tuned. Uh, was there anything that I missed that anybody wants to chat about? The only thing that I can think of, it's a tiny little moment, but the fact that Renee Montoya finds out that Bruce Wayne was Batman... I thought was spectacular. <laughs> she was like, wait, after all these years, and I've worked with the man, and I knew him as Bruce Wayne, he was Batman? What? That was a good moment. Uh, anything else that, that I missed, or a tiny little moment that anyone wants to chat about before we get into the MVP? A uh, really great uh, little fight scene where uh, Sophie, Ryan, and Renee walked in as the cleaning women. and. Yes. Uh, cleaned house on the the bad guys you know that, i thought it was a really you know well shot uh well choreographed fight scene and and also you know all three of them look spectacular doing it yes yes very good moment and the little comedic moment afterwards of like renee you know i don't really like you so can you turn around <laughs> you know this is kind of like our little secret passage i thought that was brilliant yeah the shady ryan is peak ryan Yes, also, um, throughout the whole episode. It was fantastic. <laughs> throughout the whole episode. I will also say the fact that she, like, the elevator doors open and she's like, where are the cleaning ladies? Like, that was so badass. It was just, I loved that whole scene. Yeah. Ryan being incredibly petty towards uh, Renee. You know, oh, so y'all fucking, and so y'all agreeing now together? Like, it was just fantastic. Petty Ryan is the best. So now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Let's start off with uh, let's start off with Dimitri. Who's your MVP and why? It it pains me to do this because I hate like everything that she's done but Montoya man you played the bat team like you played them good like especially if it turns out like you know this was your your whole plan all along 
Like, wow, you had everybody marching to the tune of your drum. I got to give it to you. And the actress brings just the right level of ambiguity to the character where we don't know. All right. Renee Montoya has already been selected as MVP. Millie Wood, what about you? Who's your MVP and why? I'll have to go with Mary. I just, I'm really enjoying the the Poison Mary. Um, I was not expecting her to rat out on her bat team. She has the sass. Um, and I just like the smallest moment uh, when she, like, realized that the bat team's there and, like, quickly just, like, kind of reverted back to the Mary voice that we're used to. It was, like, very subtle and, like, an amazing job by Nicole. So definitely have to give it to Mary. Another great choice. Professor, who's your MVP and why? So I'm, I'm going to go with Alice. I think, uh, you know, I love the uh, Alice-Mary dynamic. Uh, I thought they were really good. And sort of, as I said before, the possibility that we find out that Alice has known that Montoya has been playing them for some time, I think it gives a different element to her seeming betrayal of the team, you know, in the previous episodes. You know, the fact that she knew that someone was playing them, I think that suddenly puts what she's been doing in a different light. And, uh, and I'm really curious, the fact that she did, and the fact that she put herself at risk, basically, to expose that information to Sophie. I think it shows that, uh, that Alice is playing a slightly different game from what we thought. And uh, I, I really am I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out and, and what it means. All right, another great choice. And I'm going to give the MVP to... Uh, I have two choices, and I'm going back and forth in my head. Um, you know, I'll go with Marcus. Um, I enjoyed Marcus in this episode. There was a lot of potential there. And I think the thing that really shocked me was, as I said, I just didn't see the storyline ending the way that it did at the end of this episode. Um, it was surprising. Uh, the fact that uh, Nick Cregan, when he found out, when when uh, Poison Mary whispered in his ears, like his reaction told me exactly what Mary was telling him. And I was like, whoa, Mary, you crossed the line. And I was like, oh, no, Marcus knows a whole lot more than he should know. And the way that the actor sort of shifted... Um, after he found out the truth, and it really went sort of batshit homicidal, was was really good. Uh, so uh, if he is not fixed while he's desiccated, um, we're gonna be in for a um, a very interesting Marcus once he you know sips on a little bit of water. I'm just saying. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bat signals? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the bat cave. Professor, let's start off with you. I I really enjoyed the episode. Uh, I loved the reveal, finding out about Montoya, and also, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, there was sort of the surprise takedown of uh, Marcus. Uh, I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 bat signals. Starting off strong with a nine. Uh, Dimitri, what about you? I'm going to agree with the professor. I think, you know, there have been better episodes of this uh, show, but, you know, not many. This was a great episode. Really, you know, had me engaged till the end. A lot of humor, um, a lot of plot development. I'm giving it a nine as well. All right. We got two nines. Milliewood, what about you? 
I think I'm going to jump on the same wagon and also give it a nine. It was a solid episode, a great return back to the season. Um, it just, everyone looked great. So that's half the reason why I'm giving it a nine, but it was really fun and enjoyable and a lot happened in like the short amount of time. Okay. And uh, I'll join the nine train. It was a solid hour of Batwoman. Very rewatchable, very entertaining, uh, surprisingly comedic at times, in particular because of Ryan's pettiness, which was uh, on full display in this episode. But yeah, I'll, I will give it a solid nine as well. I will cosign. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Gotham City Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Gotham City Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Abiento, listeners. Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along, I'm on Twitter as at the Nerd. And Dimitri. Good night, listeners. You can follow me on Twitter at BrownBaldBeauty. And you can also check out my new webcomic at MelaninCuddles on Instagram. I will say I did check it out, and I followed. And it's hella adorable and funny all at the same time. Much appreciated, man. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Gotham City Gazette every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night. Time out. Um, did you see your Facebook Messenger? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so I had to grab a delivery right as Millie was talking. I'm so oh, sorry. was it chicken wings? Oh, Maybe. I see it right now. Okay. Um, can, can someone give me like a quick recap of what Millie said and, and if anyone else said anything? <laughs> if anyone else. They all said stuff. Uh, the professor I was basically only gone for a minute. Oh, God. The professor said, you didn't hear anything the professor said? So uh, you <laughs> asked Millie what she thought of Renee Montoya's decisions. Um, and literally, like, right as she opened her mouth, my phone went off. <laughs>